Welcome to the iHealth Podcast, a podcast for you to relate to like-minded individuals discussing hot topics all related to rehab, fitness, and business. Brought to you by Iron Health from Westchester, New York. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. Welcome to the fifth episode of iHealth Podcast. Fifth, 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 yeah. I'm Becca Light. I own Bar 3 River Sounds, a studio in Dobbsbury. And that's who, <laughs> that's who Becca am. is. Yeah, that's who I am. Welcome, Becca, to our podcast. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what's your background story? And then we'll get into the nice meat and potatoes of bar three. Sure. Uh, I moved. So I moved to Dobbs Ferry in the end of 2017. And my background professionally is in business strategy. So... I went to a really small college in Massachusetts where you don't really get to study anything useful. I majored <laughs> in Spanish and political science and graduated without a job in Spanish or political science because what would that even be? Um, and so I ended up working for a strategy consulting firm, which was a really cool way to spend my 20s. I spent it working with different companies in different industries, helping them do things like put new products on the market or evolve to meet a changing industry. One of the clients I worked with for several years was uh, they make printers and sewing machines, neither of which are like growing markets. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so trying to help them stay relevant, worked with healthcare systems. Was that one, was it Singer? No, it was um, Brother, which is a Japanese company. Oh, we, we, have we have a Brother printer. Yeah, we have a Brother printer too. Oh, that's funny. And no comment on how well it functions. But um, yeah, I was with them out in New Jersey for a couple of years. I worked with the Bureau of Medicine for the Navy, which was probably like the most interesting thing. Wow, that sounds great. Uh, it was medicine. really, really awesome. And I was like, I was fresh out of college, had no idea what I was doing. Wait, so but, what did you have to do there? Like you, you're strategizing yeah. for them to... So the wild thing about what the Navy, what Navy medicine uh, was doing is that they were trying to figure out a better way to skill all of the doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals and healthcare administrators who are a part of their international network of medical treatment facilities. There are about 40 hospitals that are owned by the Navy around the world. Um, and that's, that's one thing, but that's mostly for treating like beneficiaries of like like wives and children uh, and husbands and children of people who are in the Navy. Um, and yet the active duty military personnel who are like a part of that team also need to be prepared to serve a like very different population, like if in a time of active combat or something mm. like that. So super interesting medical organization with this like dual mandate to serve families mm. um, as well as to be trained active duty personnel and uh, it was in it was starting in 2011 right when the Department of Defense budget got cut like 25% so trying to figure out how they could continue to exist as an organization um, in a totally new budget environment so we helped them sort of consolidate some of what they were doing now a lot of the services that were previously just run out of the Navy are combined and there's like a defense health agency that combines um, Really, at the time, it was like the Army had most of the money and the Navy had some of it. Really? And they'd already combined the Army and the Air Force in terms of, like, medical treatment. And, like, in terms of the 
medical organization that supported the army. It was the same one that supported the Air Force. The Air Force used to be a part of the army. Mm-hmm. And then the Navy and the Marines were served by the Bureau of Medicine, just for the Navy. But now it's sort of all, all combined. Yeah. But that's my that's like my professional background working with companies across a bunch of different industries. And then at the end of my twenties I was like, well that was cool, but I spent the last year that I was working at that job traveling a lot internationally. And um Travel for work and yeah. it was a pleasure too. Or was it like cool no, places? and that's the thing. Really? I went to these places oh, that I have now I have like since been back to a couple of the places that I traveled for work and at the end of so I did a project in Kenya and I lived there for three months and at the end of it my sister came and visited me and we like went on safari and then we like went on a beach vacation also in East Africa which was amazing but it's sort of like business travel is never with the people that you want to travel travel with and you never get to do the things that you want to do when you travel so it reminds me that travel didn't have to be and then I got back and I was like I'm gonna find a job here in New York and instead, I ended up um, commuting back and forth to Hong Kong for six months, really? which was also really cool. Um, and I had been back to Hong Kong on vacation and can confirm it's an amazing place. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, it was just like a really stressful project. So. That's pretty awesome, though. Like, obviously, I haven't traveled that many places, so I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what that's like. You know, just to hear that, like, it'll work. I can't even comprehend that. It's wild because uh, what I really loved about consulting is that no day, like I was maybe doing the same things. I like would work on PowerPoint for like hours and hours a day and I would like interview my clients and we would go into meetings and we would like lead um, these workshops about where the company would be going. Um, And to do that, but in a new context every day meant that like nothing really felt routine and I really loved that. But at the same time, you felt like nothing about your life was able to move forward because mm-hmm. you were just Simples. suspended in some time zone somewhere in the world, staying in a hotel instead of like being at home with your family. Yeah, you don't. You didn't have. You weren't centered. Yes. Yeah. How do you function though? Because like that, that, like for me, I, I function. I can't function in structure. Like I do not function yeah. in structure well. I need a little bit of structure. So like wherever I would go, like I would wake up in the morning, work out, drink coffee, and then like be about my day. But yeah. Yeah. Um so I need to like create some kind of structure like that. You couldn't like ask me to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and like perform Mm -hmm. professionally. But I don't think anyone some people can some people can man. I know a lot of people who wake up and they like have to work out right away and go and like Yeah. Be at that high level. Yeah, so you learn to adapt, but at the end of that period of time, I was like, first of all, I'm never going to go somewhere cooler than here. Um, I'm never going to have a better experience in consulting than flying to Hong Kong and like living a life there. And, and in that particular project, I was able to sort of like develop a routine and feel like I was actually like living in this new place, which which helped. Um, but I looked for a job in New York. I ended up working at a startup that focuses on women's health for about a year. That company is called Maven Clinic, and it provides like telehealth services for the most part and um, programming for women who are expanding their families, who are having kids, and then want um, more support as they're heading back to the workforce. So really cool company to work for. I worked with them like right as they were raising their Series A uh, fundraise, which meant that there were like 15 people that worked there when I joined, and then 10 months later when I left, there were 
three times as many people, and wow. now I think there are about 100 people that work there. So, so that's like so still the venture yeah, still business. Yeah, still big. More to venture capitalists, that's like, yes. okay. awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Why'd you leave? Uh, I really liked the organization. I was a part of a team that changed in purpose like six times while I was there, and I didn't really feel like I ever like landed in exactly the right spot, so it felt like a really cool, it felt like a really cool like entree to like a step away from consulting, which was mostly working with really large companies, to seeing how quickly a company could change and how quickly my role within it could change. Um, but ultimately, I felt like the way that my role was evolving was not a way that was productive for me. And we were just moving, uh, my husband and I were just moving from the city up to uh, the river towns. And I had started to think about what like my next step professionally mm. would look like. You guys moved from, you didn't come from Brooklyn, right? We did come from Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, no. Brooklyn to Dobbs Ferry, it's like a, it's like a thing. It's a thing, yeah. I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn too, so I get right. it. But it's it's so funny, like. And now all of your old neighbors live in. Yeah, exactly. Michael, like, didn't I know you when I was, you know, fifteen in Brooklyn? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's definitely a thing. There's a huge number of people in Dobbs Ferry who just live in Brooklyn. What's the draw? Like, what do you think the comparison is? I know we're like off topic, but it's like an interesting topic, you know. Yeah. Um. It's funny. I mean, we're not talking about the Chamber of Commerce meeting that we were just attending yesterday, but you can kind of see this like microcosm and there's like all of these young people who are starting new businesses and a lot of them are in I would say like some sort of like wellness adjacent or creative field um so I think I don't know what started the snowball rolling but I certainly felt like the community we wanted to move to would be um I don't know like both, I think creative mattered to me more than I thought it would. And I think wellness oriented also mattered to me more. Like, I guess that, that made more sense for me. What do you mean, like creative? Is the community creative or what, what well, do you mean by that? So a lot of the businesses and the people who are like ex-Brooklyn, ex-Brooklyn people who were at the meeting yesterday, a lot of them do stuff like they own a graphic design business or they work for themselves and they always have, or they freelance and they're a journalist, but they also have... I don't know, I'm just making this up, mm -hmm. but like a ceramic business on the side or just they... Brooklyn, let's say. Yeah, they're like, like very Peaksville stands out the most. That gives me like the Brooklyn vibes. Really? Yeah. yeah. Out of all the all the towns. Are there are a lot of people who like... It's just like the way the town is structured and like smaller businesses there and it's just like... Yeah, I does mean... something and then also takes photographs of, of babies for their side hustle or... <laughs> Do I don't know. I don't know. There's like actually a person who she like has like a fully corporate job and she takes pictures of babies and now she takes pictures of babies and that's her full time job. Wow, that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting mix. Yeah. It's, uh, but what do people in Peekskill do? It's, sim it's similar. Peekskill's a little more. I don't know. Peekskill has like a lot more artist lofts. Yeah. Yeah. It's what a it lot. Is. There's like a lot of creative. If that's what you're creative going vibes. Yeah. Come from there. And it's still kind of like cityish. Mm -hmm. Like you could be on one street and be in a bodega, and the next street's like. Like these really nice artist condos and apartments. Yeah. It's bigger than Dobbs. We're still trying to figure out what that like balance looks like in Dobbs, but like people are trying to make it happen. Yeah. And it happens like on an aggregate more broadly. I don't know. I don't know that much about the town of Ardsley, but if you are just like walking from 
Hastings to Irvington or Terrytown, you do get like a really good mix of like really small local businesses, bodegas, mm-hmm. or new restaurants, old restaurants that have been there since like the 1950s or 1960s. Yeah. And I think that like sort of blend plus the idea that we wouldn't be the only young people around. We wouldn't be the only people without kids moving into the, the community. Um, plus it's just really pretty here. So we really yeah. loved, um, it's definitely a pretty town. yeah, we just loved the idea that like you could go down to the train every morning, see the Hudson River and make that your commute. That's cool. Yeah. That's how I got here. I've definitely been rambling. How much time has it been? 12 minutes? Yikes. Yeah. No, it's all right. We're clear. So, oh, um, yeah. So going from traveling for work and then going to a venture capitalist kind of business, that kind of led to you venture going... Venture capital funded business. Funded business. Very, like... And then got... Who has moved, the, moved to Dobbs Ferry, and then yeah. that kind of uh, sparked your your, uh, your business side. I'm going to open up my own studio. Yeah. Why, like, why bar three? I got... Yeah. That, that, that pointed out. That caught your eye more. So, um, my fitness background, my personal fitness background, I was a rower in college and I'd always been active throughout. So I like play soccer four seasons a year for a long time and I kind of burned out on that and I started rowing in high school and then I rowed in college and I knew that being physically active was always like an important part of my routine. Like literally even waking up in the morning in Kenya, very important part of my day, working out. Um, but I didn't know after I graduated from college, like what my workout life was going to be. I didn't know if I was going to be a runner. I didn't know. I was pretty sure I wasn't going to be a soul cycle person. I was pretty sure I've never like really made it through a whole yoga class without rolling my eyes. I have like, (laughs) (laughs) like yoga is really wonderful, but like my level of patience for it is, has never really existed. Um, but I was like, oh, well, now I'm an adult. <laughs> now I've graduated from college. I have to figure out a way to to stay fit. And uh, I found a bar three studio um, pretty randomly. Uh, when I was working for the Navy, I was in Washington, D.C. pretty much Monday through Friday most of the time. And a friend of mine from college invited me to go to a studio class with her. And I showed up and I was like, I don't know, this looks like yoga. So... It's already a bad already start. Turned off. Yeah, yeah. But the building, um, I know the woman who owns the studio now, and she um, she owns this studio that is in an old armory that's like right right on the waterfront um, in Georgetown, a neighborhood in Washington D.C. Where like basically like her studio was all like exposed beams, and it looked like the building was two hundred fifty years old and about to collapse. And I was like, I'm interested. Architecture is cool. Um, so I walked in and I loved it and I was really surprised by that. It was a workout where I showed up and I was like, again, barefoot and had no expectations that it would be like a challenging, a challenging workout. I was like, this is going to be really lame. It's going to be like yoga. It's the hour's going to go by really slowly. And it didn't, it went by really quickly. I wasn't asked to do anything. Um, because the thing about yoga is I feel, have you already interviewed a yoga? No, I'm not a yoga person. Great. Um, I think yoga is really wonderful. Uh, my personal experience with yoga is it's people asking me to like bend and stretch my body in ways that it doesn't want to go or it just, um, it just like, it goes so slowly. Yeah. It takes forever. It takes forever. You don't feel like you get sweaty. You don't feel like. It's definitely not a workout. That's for sure. Yeah. 
I actually like yoga though, personally. Yeah. Like, Some I think, people I think what it does for like my mind. It's like I really want to be a person that says that and means it. Yeah. But I'm I'm not. I'm still not. Yeah. But this was a workout. This this I didn't know what bar was, but this was a workout that challenged me. The time went by fast, and I also felt like I wasn't expected to do something that was like wrong for my body, right. or that I would have like that I that I like needed to go to an introductory class to do. I felt like I was asked to move in a way that was reasonable for me, and I was interested in learning more. And I didn't really have a chance to go back to bar three that much because I was like always traveling business, but it sort of stuck in the back of my mind. I came back to New York, I started going to other boutique fitness classes, thinking that it would be like that. You know, you show up. I was like, oh great, like going to fitness classes as an adult is different from uh, yoga being boring and yeah. it's different from spin classes being too expensive and competitive. And instead I went to a whole bunch of fitness classes here in New York that were exactly those things. I went yeah. to yoga, I was bored, I went to Soul Cycle, I paid too much money. Um, <laughs> And so I was like, all right, well, I haven't found it yet, but like maybe I trained for a couple of marathons and like that was also a disaster. For me. Um, and did you ever finish a marathon? Yeah, you did yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I did. I did so one. Success, then. You're yeah, yeah. It was successful in the sense that I finished a marathon and I was a couple of minutes away from the qualifying standard for the Boston Marathon. Wow. And then I decided immediately to train for another one because I was like, that was painful, but I bet if I did it the first time, I could I could like run a little faster the second time. I ran the second marathon, I think, like, five, a disappointingly small number of minutes slower than the first one, like, seven minutes slower. And so then I was like, shit. That's weird enough. Yeah, that's Sorry. fine. I was like, shit, I can't, um, it turns out that, like, the prize for qualifying for the Boston Marathon is you have to run another marathon. Yeah, like, three <laughs> marathons. Yeah, well, like, so I would have had to run another marathon to qualify for Boston, and then if I did qualify for Boston, I have to run the Boston Marathon. Yeah. So that's like four marathons. Yeah, so it was too many marathons. It's a lot. Yeah, taxing. Yeah, so at that point, a couple of years had gone by, and I was like, I still haven't found my my like fitness, my fitness spirit for for being like now in my mid twenties. Um, but my husband and I got married a couple of years after we graduated from college, and I found myself traveling again. Um, mentioned that I traveled for work now the timeline's getting all confusing but so this I used to travel a different job this is same job so same I worked job. in the same job from the time I was 22 to the time I was 29 okay but I took six months kind of like on hiatus from that job when right after we got married my husband was posted in India okay so it was like mostly Washington DC 22 to 24 uh random places mostly in the Midwest in New Jersey okay. 24 to 26 Quick break, lived in India for six months, came wow. back and started traveling internationally for the job that I was still doing before. Okay. But while I was living in India, I had like, I was still working for the same company, but like on American hours. So I yeah. had a lot of free time during the day and like nowhere really to go. And I found, what you doing this, like? I did a lot of stuff in India, but yeah. I also like, I wasn't. It was like, that would have been a place to find yoga. Too, yeah, you know? I feel like that would have been like sparked like, oh. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, like you'd be surprised. Um, we're living in the middle of a big city. It wasn't um, Americanized yoga. Like that's its own, like it's. That's its own genre. That's, yeah, it's a whole thing. There's not, you're not like walking around with your like Starbucks in one hand and your like black yoga pants showing up at like the ashram in India. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was actually a time that I found Bar 3 again. Mm -hmm. um, Bar 3 has an online presence. In India? Yeah. 
That's but like crazy. online. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it highlighted to me a few of the things that I had really liked about that experience back in Washington, D.C., which was that um, nobody took the workout too seriously. Mm-hmm. It was something that you could do without having any prior experience in it. And still, even though I was like watching videos online, I mean, like there are millions and millions of workout videos online. There's like, there's a lot of workout videos online. <laughs> on their like main channel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, on their main channel. Um, but the bar three ones, no matter where I was, no matter like what equipment I had with me, I could like get a sweaty workout in and I really liked that. Nice. So I came back from India, still traveling around and was like, you know what, like, Again, soul cycle, yoga, not working out for me. Marathon running, really not working out for me. Um, and I started to look more specifically for bar three classes. Uh, at that point, a studio had opened in New York City in the West Village. And so I started going there uh, a little bit, but um, not that consistently because I was usually out of town. Um, but it was a company and a workout that I started to, to think about more. And when we moved up here to the River Towns, um, I started to think more seriously about opening a studio because one of the things I had consistently loved doing ever since, like as long as I can remember, I like working out, I like staying active. The things that I had really loved about my job in consulting were the chance to work across a number of different business disciplines, whether it was marketing, whether it was strategy, whether it was accounting, whether it was hiring. And what I did not love about my job at that startup is that no matter how much my role was evolving, it was still very specific and narrow within this like sales and account management organization. And I wanted to do something more strategic and broad and like that would make me think more about a business top to bottom. And so then I started to have the crazy idea, all right, like, I guess I have to start my own business if I want to do that. Mm -hmm. I want that kind of like broad reaching responsibility. And if I had any amount of time and money and energy, like what kind of business would I open? A fitness studio. Mm -hmm. Would I do it on my own? I think it's really amazing that you guys have done that. I felt like in all of the work I had done the prior 10 years, I was pretty sure that like creating a brand was not going to be, I just didn't think that was going to be a strength of mine. And so I started to think, Uh, If I were to open a fitness studio that aligns with my values, that uh, makes other people feel welcomed and like no matter what their experience level is, and if yoga isn't for them, if soul cycle cycle isn't for them, like a workout that is surprisingly welcoming to people across different experience levels, like what would I do? And Bar 3 had been in the back of my mind for a long time, and so it was the first company that I reached out to. That's very cool. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's it's, it is a an interesting concept too, because like after like kind of building this, yeah, if I had to redo it all over. I don't know if I would do that. Build your own brand. It's hard. It's yeah, like it's a, so hard, but it's, it's amazing that you've done it. It's a lot, a lot more work, you know. Yeah. Like you come in with the backing of like a bar three or something. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, you still put in so much work, but it's like you have people behind you. You know, you have a brand behind you. Yeah, and like I feel. <clears throat> I feel that being a franchisee, and I'm happy to talk about what that means, uh, mostly, like, when I want to be, I am entirely on my own when it comes to owning and operating this business. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also sometimes when I want there to be a little more distance between myself and a customer or 
myself and a potential vendor or myself and a potential partner, it is helpful to say like, oh, actually there's like a legal agreement I signed. Oh, you can't talk to people like that? No, I can. I can, but if I don't want to, I can like... Say that? Yeah. Okay, cool. Like I could have said actually like Bar 3 has um, a rule that I'm not allowed to go on podcasts and talk about my business. Really? Usually you can see right through it. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like obviously I'm allowed to do that, and yeah, obviously yeah. I wanted to do it. Yeah, yeah. But if I didn't, I could say. Yeah, that. That's yeah. Cool. What What is it like opening a franchise though? Maybe. I just want you to know, like I I don't use that excuse a lot of the time. Oh no, no, no I mean no. you just yeah, you sure. know you just gave it up to us and your and your listeners. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Oh. Yeah. So if I said no to you, that's why. That's why. <laughs> it's probably not because Bar Three wouldn't allow me to do it. It's because she just didn't want to work with you. So, I wish we had that excuse. I'd just say no to them. Yeah, I think that's much reason. better, honestly. Like, yeah. just be honest. Yeah, I'm trying to get better about that. Now I'm, yeah. like, almost a year in. It's like, I'm sorry, I don't have time for that. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, don't yeah, want to do business with you. Yeah. yeah. There's, like, plenty of people who come and, like, chat with me, and they're like, oh, this is brand new AI system that does everything for you. I'm just like, no, nah, I'm okay. We're not yeah. interested. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah, you can't do it. No. Yeah. You know, you learn that as you go. Yeah. Was a franchise hard though? Like, cause you know, I know when there's like a, they have to vet you. You have to have a certain amount of capital, right? Like it's. Yeah. Uh, so that's that has been, um, I would say, almost universally a positive experience. So uh, yes, Bar Three as a franchise. So Bar Three is a relatively small fitness franchise. Um, there are other fitness franchises that have like 500 plus outlets where if you sign a franchise agreement, you're also, you're like signing on to open two or three or four locations within a certain time frame. Yeah. Bar 3 is a smaller company. They want every owner of a studio that they, that isn't a part of their franchise network to own and operate the studio instead of like <coughs> me owning it, it and, and hiring, it. yeah, and hiring a full-time person to do the work that I do. I don't think it's as fun. Um, it could be lower risk, and it also could be more scalable. So, like, if I had, if there were like four other studios, then I would probably have to hire someone to manage them. General manager. Yeah. yeah. Um, but because it's a small company, their vetting process is also very personal. So, um, from the very first conversation I had with someone, I was able to go and meet with the owner of the studio in the West Village. I was able to talk to other owners across the East Coast, and the company's based out in Portland, Oregon. And once they get serious enough about you as a candidate, yeah, they have to vet that you have uh, like enough capital to invest in like Working building out, out yeah. the studio. That's one of the things. But once you like hit that, and once you create a business plan, and someone looks through it, and they think that you're serious about this, uh, um, they invite you to fly out to Portland, Oregon. And you sit down for a whole day and you present your business plan to the woman who, the woman uh, who founded the company. Um, and then they sort of take it from there. That's pretty cool. That's, that's, really, a, that's yeah. an awesome process. They, yes. like, weed, they probably weed out a lot of people who just want to open a franchise. They weed out a ton of people, I'm sure. It also is, like, you have to be highly motivated, especially if you're here in New York and you're like, sure, I will take four days. Not only will I take the time out of my, like, my life to fly into Portland, Oregon. But for me, in my case, I spent months working on my business plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I showed up and I gave it, I gave it the whole like consultant treatment. I like, instead of, this was like during the period of time that I was leaving my job at the startup. So it was a really 
um, I was sort of trying to convince myself this was the right next move, and I was interviewing for jobs at similar tech companies, I was interviewing for jobs at more traditional consulting firms, and then at the end of the day, I would like get on the train out of the city and then come home and work for four hours in my business plan because that was the thing that I was passionate about. Mm. Um, and so just giving myself that amount of time and that amount of market research and analysis about all of the things that could go right or wrong in the first year that we were open in terms of our finances um, helped me kick the tires in the business. And yeah. I really appreciated being a part of a company that was like insightful enough to ask me to ask those questions of myself. That's cool. And That's it helps really me. Awesome. Yeah. Like helps out with everything you do. Yeah, because I would say that if uh, I was not confident that this was like the right move professionally. Uh, I was not confident that this was the right move professionally. Um, when I first had the idea, I thought that maybe it would make sense five to ten years from now in some like dream scenario when I won the lottery and didn't have to worry about um, making money in my business. It's funny how your mind like tries to convince you not to do it. Yes. It's like and fighting yourself. That's like the whole, your mind always does that. You know? Doubts. Right. And in my case, like my family also tried to convince me not to do it. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I think that they also were more convinced by the business plan the more time I spent on it and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm sure like you seem like someone who comes like well prepared with stuff, so no one can really say stuff. Be like, hey, this is it, let's go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't prepare. I didn't prepare what I was gonna say here, so I've just been rambling about my life. But that's good. That's what these podcasts are for. That's exactly what podcasts are for, right? Yeah. Everyone in my family is a lawyer, and so like everyone in my family is extraordinarily risk averse. So I was like, I think I'm going to leave my desk job, and I'm going to spend all the money that I've saved. And the shit I love. Yeah, and then at the end of it, I'm going to have a fitness studio. And my my parents were, like, surprisingly cool with the idea of it, but then when I started to get more and more serious, they were like, wait, you're, you're like, actually going to, like, leave your desk job? Like, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of that kind of thing. But I started working on it probably in March of 2018, and okay. then it wasn't until July of 2018 that I flew out to Portland, and they like put an agreement in front of me, and I was like, okay, because we're gonna do this. How did you How did you manage like what people were telling you not to do it? Like, what did you do personally and mentally? Like, what did, how did you go over that? Um, I probably said that to myself more than anyone else did, if I'm being honest. Uh, and some days, it depended on how that went. I, some days, I would apply to jobs. Mm. Uh, some days, I would make sure I did something outside, like that involved interacting with someone who I thought would one day be a client or somebody who I thought could help me in this path to opening the business. Um, even in Jobs Ferry, I've been really, really lucky to work with a bunch of other small business owners. Um, my neighbor down the street owns Hudco, the studio, the not studio. Uh, Hudco is a co-working space full of people who, it started off as like a collection of mostly freelancers, but then they were also, uh, when I started talking to them, the four founders who are all like super inspirational women who also took a risk on themselves and their careers when they decided to start freelancing. Mm -hmm. And then yet another risk when they decided to open up this co-working space. And right around the time that I opened my studio, they like greatly expanded their co-working space and now they have like a subscription model and it's doing 
great. And there are all sorts of other like small business entrepreneurs from around the river towns and beyond that work out at that space, but they were like hugely inspirational, uh, really good at helping me kick the tires on that business. That's cool. Uh, you have a support system. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge support system. And I was just like meeting them. So it wasn't people that I knew well at all. Mm-hmm. And I would also say there's um you ever heard of SCORE? No. Yeah, I have actually. I've heard of SCORE. Yeah, the Society yeah. for the Core of Retired Executives or something. Uh, frankly, it is a bunch of um, a bunch of old dudes who <laughs> have retired and want to help young entrepreneurs or people who are like, looking for jobs, and That's you can go cool. and like show them a business plan. And they'll like invest into it. No, they'll not. No. They won't invest, but they'll give you advice. Ah, okay. So I would go there, and that was, like, what I would do when I needed support. So it's, like, a bunch of old dudes who yeah. would, like, basically right. clap for you. They would be like, it seems like you've really thought this through. I'd be like, do you have any questions for me? Like, what am I missing in this PowerPoint presentation? I never used score, but I've heard good things about it. If you ever just need, like, friendly old men to give you a pat on the back, like, I highly recommend <laughs> going there. They should change the name. Just... An acronym like yeah, that. friendly old men. F-O-M. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> so for bar three, like, what's the what's the method though? Like, specifically, what does it focus on? What kind of strengthening? What kind yeah. of stuff? Yes. So the workout itself, it's forty five minutes or sixty minutes. We have two different kinds of. It's the same kind of class, but uh, the forty five minute one is sort of a condensed and efficient version. Um, it does include some of the elements of my beloved. <laughs> not my not beloved yoga so every class does end with a little bit of breath work and stretching but before that we make sure that you lift your heart rate we make sure that you uh, get a chance to do weight-bearing strength exercises um so classes do include no matter what's going on uh, a lot of lunges a lot of squats um, and a lot of like compound strength building exercises so in a 60-minute class we spend the first um 10, 15 minutes, uh, warming up the body in every plane of motion. So that usually means some kind of sumo squat, uh, moving like really big. Mm-hmm. We always move to the beat of music, which also makes the time go by faster. Cool. Um, but we also make sure it's not just your lower body that you're that you're like heating up um, for greater work, but also you're moving your spine. Um, so there's spinal flexion and extension and rotation, and we do the same thing with our shoulders. So we try to we try to warm up like the whole body in, in every plane um following that we focus a little bit more on um smaller movements that are focused on strengthening your legs so every class is different um in terms of like what specific postures you're standing in the second part of class that's sort of uh, the first part of class usually takes place right in the middle of the room and could take place anywhere. So if you're at home and you're watching a video, it's going to be on a yoga mat. If you are in our studio, you're going to be standing in the middle, not holding on to anything, no props, no anything. Um, and then the second part of class is really the time that if we're using the bar, I know it's called bar three, uh, but that's sort of like more of a legacy name at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the time that you would be closest to the side of the room holding onto the bar doing things like uh, standing with your heels together and your toes just a couple inches apart, knees apart, um, in a posture that we call narrow athletic V. And if you are a ballerina, then maybe you would know that as, I don't know, 
arena of today. Oh, yeah, that's probably yeah. right, right, correct. Right, right. I have yeah. no clue. <laughs> Based on your ballet experience, it would be, yeah, it would be like a plie. Yeah. But in a plie, you would like do fancy stuff with your arms. You would probably just like lower your hips a little and then you lift them up. And the smaller the movement, the more you're like feeling work, um, mostly in the inside of your thighs. Mm -hmm. But but there are lots of different postures that we go into. We try to make sure that there's a balance between focusing on uh, like quad dominant exercises and um, the back of the legs and the glutes. And then um, we'll pick up weights. We do use handheld weights in class. We have one to eight pound weights. Um, and then we'll go back into more compound movements back in the center of the room. So Very cool. Yeah. Who's your ideal customer? Like who, who is a perfect person for both of you? Pretty much, this is going to sound really cliche, but it does not matter if you work out regularly. Uh -huh. uh, we have clients who have never, who like are not consistent about anything that they do outside of the studio. In their lives, I'm sure they're consistent. I'm sure they're great uh, <laughs> professionals and parents, but but like maybe they've never. They're not like runners. They're not necessarily people who wake up every morning and like get on their Peloton <clears throat> bike. Um, they come to the studio sometimes because like because they they like the workout, they like the variety, they like that it's different every single day based on uh, what instructor is teaching and what they've decided to do for the day. Um, but they also come because we're a community space. So people come. Today we had a woman who, um, it's only the second time she's been to class in six months because she's just recovering from a knee injury. Mm -hmm. uh, she is probably in her mid-60s. Nice. And she is a swimmer. Or she had been a swimmer, so I think maybe she has been able to keep up with some of her swimming, but not that much since she's been rehabbing her knee for a while. And she came to class today, and she came about 20 minutes early to ask me, I was working at the front desk, uh, a specific question about her alignment. I was able to answer that question um, to make sure that she's not harming her anymore while she's working out. And then she stuck around afterwards for like 20 minutes also because um, she had happened to mention, I don't know how this conversation started, but somewhere in the studio she's talking about her new grandchild is like not crawling yet. And her son is nervous about it because I guess at their like last checkup, this is like very specific, it's a very specific example, but this is like who comes in the studio, yeah. uh, people who are recovering from injuries, people of all ages, people who also like get community from the support of women and men around them. Um, and this woman was nervous that her granddaughter isn't crawling yet and received support from one new mom, one mom who has kids who are teenagers, um, my instructor who has four kids, uh, who had also gone through some stuff when they were really little and all of them were able to like reassure this woman that like, no, actually her granddaughter is probably fine. And like, that's cool. if she's not crawling now, then she'll crawl in a couple of weeks or whatever. But, uh, that's the kind of stuff that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, sounds like a cool community. Yeah. It's a nice supportive environment. We do offer childcare during the day, which also means that if you're a new mom or, we have lots and lots of women who are expecting. Um, it's a really good low-impact workout, and everything that we do is modifiable. So if it's not comfortable for you during pregnancy, you can probably find a better way for you to move. And it's oftentimes people feel more comfortable being in a class environment around other people who either also might be pregnant or people who are also taking options rather than uh, working out by yourself, particularly at that time of life. Um, so there isn't like one ideal client. 
we have member like we have uh, a membership base and then we have clients who come in a little bit more sporadically but our membership base i think probably our youngest member is 21 mm -hmm. and our oldest member is currently 74. wow yeah. that's really cool variety of clientele yeah and we have every like we do also have the people who are like trained for marathons and the only time we see them is when the weather's so bad that they don't want to go outside. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good accessory. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I think we're going to wrap this up. Okay. I think we're, we usually ask questions now at the end. I don't know. Don't you usually close with like the same question? Okay. Ask me questions. Um, so, I don't know if you guys, did you ask this? Oh, I haven't answered any of these questions. We've been just going off. Yeah. So what's the culture, what's the culture like though? It's yeah. cool. It's very supportive. We don't, we're not here just for your workout. We're here to answer your questions about your grandchild or like what you Whatever. might need in your day-to-day -day life. Yeah, cool. my, the people who work in the studio, we also somehow, uh, we opened last May and I probably met you last spring before we opened and I was like really worried about hiring even like four other instructors who would teach. We now have an instructor team of nine wow. and we have nine other people. So there's a team of 18 people that work at the studio which is insane <laughs> to me. I don't, know how it, I don't know how it happened that way. Um, it's awesome. It's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. But the people who work there, they are college students. They are uh, moms who, uh, for whom this is like their first, their first job outside the home in a couple of years. We have a super new mom. We have an instructor who just gave birth two weeks ago. Mm. Um, we have a woman who has like six part-time jobs and has lived in Dobbs Ferry for 30 years. And like, she's amazing and knows everyone here. That's awesome. Um, it's a good person to have on the team. Yeah, yeah. We have um, several people who also are entrepreneurs. One who is an interior designer, one who, two who are um, real estate agents. So fully full service, come to Bark Free, interested <laughs> in moving, you, you can get, get a it consultation. You yeah. It. yeah. All right, so last question that I always ask, um, greatest failure, and what have you learned from your greatest failure? Okay, specifically with this business? It could be in general, but yeah. I mean, it could be a, you could drop, you could drop a life knowledge bomb. A life knowledge yeah. bomb? Um, I, okay, two things. One, one is like, uh, one specifically for this, this is how I have to end this? Yeah, what, a, what a bummer note. What do you mean? People um, love to learn from other business okay. owners. Well, you so. learned from failure. Yeah. Yes, I've learned a lot from failure. What have you learned from your failures? That's a better way to question this. Well, one of the one of the things that I would call my biggest professional failure uh, did actually like lead me to take this risk and open a studio, and that was I really thought that when I switched uh, careers from consulting, I thought that the level of chaos I was looking for in my career was like startup that was already established that already had like an HR and an accounting department and uh, like a technology team and um, I mentioned when I was working at this startup that I felt like my role was like really narrowly defined but and that's true that's like my realization and like two years down the road I'm like yep that wasn't the right fit for me but while I was living it what it felt like was every day I would show up and I would dread opening my email because there would be something in there that was like wrong with the business and it wasn't something that I could fix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that I felt like um, I didn't have like the 
knowledge to provide. You were just limited to I'm, what you could do. I was limited to like what my jobs that I could do on a daily basis. And I wasn't doing, I wasn't doing like my best work mm-hmm. at contributing to the company. And it like ate me up inside every day. So in leaving that job, I, I, I like think that that company is amazing. I don't think that anything, and, and the company has gotten significantly more successful since I left. I would love to be like, and I can see where my contributions led it to. Um, so it was like, I don't know how much you guys know or care about um, venture capital funding for healthcare companies. I've actually never, I have no knowledge on it. Okay, so the company uh, had raised about, these are just figures that like mean like truly nothing to me still. Um, but the company had raised about $15 million uh, to like continue operating um, when I was working there. Right. right after I left, they raised $27 million so that the company was valued at, or like their total fundraising had been was like $42, $42 million. Uh, they just announced last week that they've expanded their offerings by like double what they were when I was working there, and they just raised another $45 million. So this company is now, has raised nearly $100 million. Yeah, um, and their valuation is like, I think a really, this is for another conversation, but like the company is like really doing great work. Yeah. I wish I could say that I was part of that. Right. Or that like I even mm-hmm. had been a part of it at that time. But I felt like, I just felt like from day one, I was in the wrong room. I was like in the wrong meeting, on the wrong team, reporting to the wrong people, had the wrong people reporting to me. And I feel like there were, yeah, yeah. And I felt like there were things that I could have done to be more successful or productive on that, in that organization. But it was literally only the second professional experience I'd ever had. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to advocate for myself. I didn't know how to express um, my own creativity and like my own business knowledge. And where that led me was completely outside of the system. And now it's very scary a lot of the time because what if the creativity that I do express about my business or like the ways that I want to improve it, um, I know that I'll listen to it. Because I'm not reporting to anyone, but it doesn't necessarily mean the clients will respond to it. Right. Um, and so I have, and like sometimes that's really scary. Yeah. And so an example of a recent failure I had in this business, um, we had we've had the opportunity to partner with a few causes since we opened, or even before we opened. Um, and there's a really amazing local organization called My Sister's Place. Uh, my sister's place is a domestic violence prevention organization local here to Westchester that uh, really offers full service. Like they are uh, a shelter, but they also work on everything from uh, talking about safe relationships in a school environment so that young kids can learn to recognize the signs of an abusive relationship, whether one is happening in their home or whether they themselves are a part of one later on in life, um, to the organization does really amazing work. And I had um, partnered with a yoga studio in Hastings on an event last year where uh, it was like, I think $25 to come to the class and 100% of the proceeds went to, um, to them. 
And this was like before I had a really robust email list. It was before I had paying clients at all. And I was like, great, we raised a couple hundred dollars. Amazing. Um, I look forward to doing something that will be a greater impact to the organization like further on down the line. And so I had this like really great idea that we were going to host a class offsite. We were going to invite hundreds of people. And then like everyone was going to come and take class. And we were going to raise like 500 plus dollars for my sister's place. So I was working with an event space in White Plains, which I was like, really not that far from here. No, it's not. It's really not that far from here. 15 minutes, probably. Yeah, like 15 minutes, probably. And I had planned this for several months. I sent out, I try not to like spam the people who uh, are on my email list. So I send like one email a month, sometimes two emails a month. I sent like five emails about this. I promoted it on my Instagram. Um, we had vendors coming to the event who were going to like do... Uh, like a free, uh, yeah, like like free services, uh, swag bags, stuff like that. Um, and then I also, we put it up on Eventbrite, which I thought would be like easier for people to sign up, even if they weren't like a client with already a profile in my point of sale software system. Guess how many people signed up? Zero. Zero. Really? Zero. Wow. Zero people signed up. Wow. And so we canceled the event and like I changed the structure of it and we raised money. For, so like basically I said to every, I said that everyone who came to the studio on the day that we were going to host the event, uh, we would match their donation and we ended up raising a ton of money that way. So it wasn't a total loss, but it, it was, was like a learning experience for sure. Yeah, it was a learning experience for sure. Uh, because I felt like in a year I'd at least gain the loyalty <laughs> of these customers such that they would care about the things that I cared about. Uh, yeah. And that's not, that's not always. That's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. I think uh, we can end the two with a more brighter note. Yeah. All right, here we go. Give us a quote you live by. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Or like a quote of the day, whatever okay. you want to say. Okay. And then um, let our listeners know where they can find out more information about Bar 3 and you. Okay. Um, quote that I live by. Um, I would say this isn't like a great quote. And I think that it's actually... Um, Uh, okay, there's two, and both of them are of bad origin, but they're things that I repeat to myself when I'm like, really, we're doing this? And one of them is, I guess we're just doing it live, which is, um, I'm pretty sure, like, a Bill O'Reilly thing. Do you know, do you, like, know the reference? No, I've heard of that. Um, imagine, imagine, like, it doesn't matter. It's just like um, this, this podcast. We're, yeah, this we're podcast. We're literally live. doing this live. And yeah. if I, I I spent like the first 30 years of my life being a tremendous perfectionist and it hasn't served me that well professionally, frankly. Um, so now you're just going by living in the... Well, yeah. I mean, if you have a big idea, then it's better to like put it out there in the universe and sometimes zero people will sign up. Yeah. And sometimes you end up with 18 people that work at the studio and 100 50 members who come in and want to learn either a new way to move their body or get the support of their community, whether it's something to do with their like grandchildren not walking yet or could be like literally anything else. Um, but if I had waited until that business plan was like super perfect or if I had waited until exactly the right moment for me to leave my job, I definitely wouldn't be here today. Yeah, um, the right moment. Yeah. 
Yeah, like and I also think that every morning when I like wake up and like teach a class, I like muddle my words. I like don't drink coffee before I teach all the time, and I've said a lot of things on this <laughs> podcast. I'd be like, you know what? If I had thirty more seconds to think through that sentence, I would have said it better. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. You have to do it live. That's yeah. the way life is. Um, I like that one. Yeah, and then another thing, which is like, this is even worse, frankly, because um, I was lucky enough in my consulting career and the eight years that I worked at this company to work for a really amazing and crazy man who would let his brand new consultants fresh out of college go up and stand in front of a room and present to other groups of less friendly old men. Um, cool. Yeah. Break, break you guys yeah, in. Yeah, break you, break you in. And what, and then at the end of the meeting, you would like go and sit in a room and like debrief it with your boss. Um, and this guy, this guy, Rob would be like, well, no one threw up, <laughs> which is, um, also a thing I sometimes say at the end of the day when stuff doesn't go well, because you were doing it all live and some of the details got overlooked or some of the things you wished you could have been better prepared for, but you can't because if you own a business, you can't be everything to all people all at once. Um, and usually the result of it is that, like, nobody throws up and no, everything will no be fine. No one threw up. Can you yeah. say that? Like, no yeah. one threw up. We're good. Yeah. We're doing it live. No one threw up. No one threw up. I like that. Yeah. It's cool. It's different. It's different yeah. from everyone saying, like, motivational stuff. That motivates me, though. That's yeah. motivational, yeah. 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 It's like the yeah, no, no like, one died one, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, where can people find out about Bar3? Like, social media, website? Yeah. Um, so you can find out about Bar3 and the workouts that we do and the way that we move our bodies. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Bar3 River Towns. So B-A-R-R-E numeral three River Towns. All one word because it's our Instagram handle. You can find us also on Facebook. Same thing. Our page is Bar3 River Towns. Um, you can find out more about Bar3 as a company. And it is a cool company that does focus on this really non-judgmental, come-as-you-are, everyone's experience is valid and welcome, um, bar3.com. You can find those videos that I was doing in, in India there, as well as a bunch of inspirational words, much more inspirational than nobody threw up from Sadie Lincoln, <laughs> the woman who founded and still runs the company. Um, and you can find us in person at 42 Chestnut Street in Dobbs Ferry, right across the street from the Cookery. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Becky, for, for coming Thanks so on. much for having me here. Awesome. Very cool. And letting me ramble for 54 50, minutes. 54 minutes. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Share this with a friend and follow us for more episodes.